Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, welcome back, Brewer fans. The Brew Crew Review Podcast. Joining me today is Scott Bartell from Fabulous Las Vegas. How are you doing, Scott? Ah, hanging in there. Enjoying uh, another great day. How are you? Great. And Vince, he's going to be joining us hopefully later. He's finishing up his dinner or something like that. But anyway, and uh, Chad is still in the Zoom waiting room. We'll see if we'll be able to let him in at some point. Scott, are your interns working on that? Um, No, Tim Dillard stole all our interns. We literally have none. In fact, I actually interviewed one person, and they said that they were – also going to get interviewed by Dillard to be one of his interns. And then I never heard from him again. So I don't know, but you know, I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm not mad at Dillard. He's doing great. I'd want to work for him too. Let me lose Speaking yep. of that, let's see, we're about a week into the first over a week into the first season. The Brewers are currently six and four. Uh, they just, won the first game of three-game series at Miller Park against, uh, I'm sorry, and Fam Field, <laughs> Chicago Cubs, to pull the record to six and four. It's definitely the first time we've been two games over 500 since 2019. So pretty good start to the year, three-game winning streak here, Scott. Uh, what are your early observations on the season here through the first 10 games? Um, well, I actually think that if you, I mean, it's always hard because this early in the year, you you just, you know, obviously as a, as a respected journalist, you don't want to go too far in one direction with your, with your hot takes and, and stuff like that. But um, having said that, I think if we would have taped this three days ago, it would have been a significantly different podcast because I would have been a lot more concerned about our offense early on. Uh, that seemed to be an issue. And um it it's gotten better the last couple of days, which is nice, but um, I don't know. I mean, so far, this is a team that has a really, really tough schedule uh, for pretty much the entire month of April. I think I said around, I think it was May 2nd. I think that's when we wrap up, like we play, um, let's see, Marlins and Pirates, but then we have like, it's basically all Cubs, Cardinals and Dodgers, I think. So it, it's, it's a tough schedule, but um uh, no, twins, of course, but um, I just think that if they can even get to there and be even even a little over 500, uh, that would be uh, really, really good for us. I mean, I, I mean, I just have really low expectations right now just because it's a really tough schedule to start off. So, so far, so good. Yeah, going right before the season started, I, I got really excited about this team looking at up and down and the potential of, you know, especially our top end guys on the pitching staff in the back of the bullpen and with Yellich and here and some of our offseason acquisitions, even though they're kind of trying to fit square pegs and around holes, so to speak, I kind of thought that this team was going to mesh at some point. And I'm still concerned like about the offense. Uh, if you're, if Brewer fans remember back to last year, even though we kind of backed into the expanded playoffs, um, the last month in particular, I remember September being really brutal for us offensively. I know it culminated in that getting no hit by the Alec Mills of the Cubs. And I remember just thinking this offense is terrible. We don't deserve to make the playoffs. We ended up making the playoffs and got ousted right away. But um, I don't know. I guess in, do you think that the Brewers front office did enough this offseason to really address the lack of offense that it showed last year in 2020? Um, I don't know. I, that's, I guess that's a tough question. I, I want to say no, because, um, well, the biggest move, I suppose, I mean, is obviously going to be, um, signing Colton Wong because I think that he, well, was kind of a, he's a good table setter for the team. He plays great defense. Like I, I, I think he's a really good get for this team, but, uh, Jackie Bradley, I think, was almost just as big of a signing because um, if 
if something were to happen to Lorenzo Cain this year, let's just say he just said, you know what, after five games this year, let's say he just goes, nope, not again, nope, not doing it. I would be concerned because I don't really see a center fielder on this team until we sign Jackie Bradley Jr. And now I, I kind of feel like what's really great about this team and is kind of that we have we have a bunch of stars, but we're not necessarily reliant on just like one or two players like I think a lot of teams kind of are. Um, this team is a hodgepodge. It's a mix. But as long as everybody does their job and contributes, it should be a pretty good team on paper. So everybody has to just keep plugging along and doing their job. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Scott. I think our outfield's got some really nice depth. Um, and I'm a little bit concerned about, obviously, the corner infields in particular. But um, I think catching has been a nice bright spot here at the beginning. I think that we have a really nice left-right tandem and Omar Narvaez and Manny Pena. And Narvaez is having a bounce back year. And really, 2020, a lot of guys got a pass for last year and I, I personally didn't really give Narvaez one because I had high expectations for him but I think he's coming through to be the player that I thought he would be offensively this year so far actually it's like 10 games but that's encouraging we're gonna need to get offense from them but but I think that the first run is counting on all these things happening Christian Yelich having a comeback season uh, from his dreadful campaign last year where he barely batted over 200 uh, I think that's a pretty certain one um Lorenzo Cain coming back and just playing to his normal standards. I think that's a pretty certain one. The question mark ones that I think that they were banking on was, I guess, Keston Hira really having a breakthrough season like he showed two years ago, but not so much last year. And I think that's questionable at this point. Um, but I think it's still very possible. And the other thing I think they're counting on is that Louis, Louis – Urias was going to have also a mini breakout campaign, at least solidify himself as an everyday shortstop for the Brewers. And I think that's the most highly questionable of their assumptions that would happen this year. Um, with that being said, obviously there were some rumors we were going after Justin Turner off season to, to fill up her base hole. And uh, instead we kind of defaulted and didn't sign him and instead got Jackie Bradley Jr., which like you said, could be a blessing in disguise, but overall, didn't think that did a great job on, on making the offense that much better. But uh, like I said, I think that our pitching staff should be good enough and elite enough on both the top end of our rotation and, and the back end of our bullpen to, I think, have this much offense be enough. And I think under underrated moves, like even somehow keeping Dan, Daniel Vogel back on the roster and now, now with Wong injured, he's getting some playing time. Um, and, also, even a guy like Billy McKinney as our fifth outfielder seems to be like a pretty clutch bat off the bench. So stuff like that, I think, can pull us through. And so far, we're seeing that. But um, I think the most exciting thing to talk about from the early going is it really looks like we have two aces for the first time I can remember, even as a Brewer fan of my lifetime, at the top of our rotation with Woodruff and Burns and what they're doing. And you want to throw in the mix what Freddie Peralta is doing. I think we've got a phenomenal potential in the rotation. What are your thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, I think that very, very small window that we had, Sabathia, Sheets, and Gallardo, that was probably the deepest pitching staff maybe in her history, or at least starting rotation. But, um, yeah, I know. I mean, it's so great to see um, – Burns, I know that we we talked about him at length for, well, I mean, pretty much the last year. And it was so troubling because the guy has all the talent in the world, but um, it's just a matter of kind of honing it in. And he's starting to do that. Uh, hopefully, like, it looks like we're starting to see that same kind of, uh, same kind of curve with uh, Peralta now. I mean, he obviously had uh, – another great game today. And I know that I've been on him for, for walks and things like that, but um, today he pitched uh, really solid. So I was really happy with that. Yeah. So those three guys, and obviously for the other part of our rotation, we got Brett Anderson and Adrian Hauser, who are, I think, going to prove to be adequate enough of the starter spots, especially if we have those guys really coming through with big seasons on the top end of that. So um, 
I guess now switching over to the bullpen, do you have any early season concerns for, let's say, our overall bullpen and then maybe specifically even whether or not Devin Williams can have a similar success as he did as rookie of the year, reliever of the year um, last year in 2020? Um, or are you, are you concerned that that might have been slightly fluky or – and then just overall – Everyone else, full bullpen pitcher outside of Josh Hader, who I know that we trust. But what are your thoughts on that? Um, the bullpen is probably one of those things that um, I'm most worried about. The I guess the best part about that, and, and that's weird because going into it, like I think everyone thought the bullpen was probably going to be our strength going into this year. And, and our bullpen's done all right. I mean, I'm not saying that. But, um, I mean, Bobby Wall, inch again. Um, you know, we had what way black got hurt for a while. And I, I guess I, after hater, there's a significant drop off. And I, I don't think that anyone can reasonably expect Williams to have the kind of year that he had last year, because that kind of year just doesn't happen in major league baseball. And so when it does, it doesn't really matter how good you are. You're likely to regress a little bit because you've set the bar so high and um, I, I mean, right now, though, like uh, Williams is definitely struggling a, a little bit and finding the strike zone and kind of getting the feel for uh, all of his pitches. And uh, that's definitely kind of, I guess, led to a, a little bit of his scuffles early on. Not super worried about it yet, but I am a little worried about the pen in general. Like Drew Rasmussen, for example, he has electric stuff. But again, he is really, really young and it's like, all the other people you've mentioned, like he is having trouble uh, kind of controlling the strike zone and being able to paint those corners and not give up too many of those uh, pitches down the heart of the plate. And I, right now I am concerned about that bullpen. Um, and I, but that's, that's the biggest concern I have right now. I hate to say it. Yeah. I, I think besides those, you know, Williams and Hader, most of the other guys do worry me. I know that we already optioned on Eric Yardley to work on some stuff and brought up on El Perdomo and also Brad Boxberg got called up recently too. And I think he could be a big veteran to this uh, bullpen puzzle in the long run over the long haul of the season. But I, Devin Williams, I think the numbers he put up last year were video game like and unrealistic. And over the course of a full season, I just don't think he's going to be able to pull off that that type of success obviously his awesome change up his airbender pitch i think guys start laying off that if he doesn't throw for strikes you know he could i think his numbers could fall a little bit but i still trust him as our future closer and solid setup guy this year but i think there'll be some ups and downs and he won't be as dominant as he was last year so i i think that's kind of to be suspected but I know last year, every time he came to the game, he was expected to be lights out and always was. And that's a good thing to have. But I don't know. Going into this year, I just I just feel like you can't definitely count on that. He's not quite on the Josh Peter level overall yet, in my opinion. But still, glad he's on our team. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of who's on our team, I guess there was – I know the last podcast, Vince and I got in a little bit of a – a fist to cuff, so to speak, over <laughs> a Zoom Zoom version of that, at least, oh. uh, of uh, whether or not, you know, the Brewers expected Luis Urias or Orlando Arcia to be our starting shortstop moving forward, and especially starting opening day. And um, I guess it was shocking to me, even the Brewers, just I think four games into the season, to actually pull off a trade. I don't remember such an early season trade of that, you know, not that it was a huge magnitude, but uh, they did trade Orlando Arcia to the Atlanta Braves for a couple of bullpen arms, um, right-handed pitchers, Patrick Weigel and um, Chad Sabatka. And um, again, these are pitchers that are past 25 years old and kind of barely hanging on to their 40-man roster spots uh, for the Braves. But some people would say, well, the Brewers could have non-tendered 
Orlando contract, so at least they got something for him. I guess what are your thoughts on the trade and the timing of it, Scott? Uh, timing was a little bit weird. It kind of makes me wonder if it was our idea or if somebody reached out to us. I have a feeling that maybe um, Stearns has seen enough um, of Urias to, to say that he was ready uh, for him to be the starter, or maybe he's seen enough of Arcia to know that it was time for a change. Either way, um, it is a little bit peculiar because you would think that you would want to do something like that in spring training before you have to trim down rosters the last time or something like that. But um, I don't know. I mean, things can always change. Like teams get injured. All of a sudden you have, um, you know, you have players that get injured and sometimes it's, you know, you have a position of need and you need to do something about that. I don't necessarily think that the Brewers were trading for need. I think they were just trading for see what they could get but um yeah it, it's a little bit weird but i wish rc the best but at the same time i'm kind of glad that the trade was done yeah i mean it, at some point it, i don't know if that's something that could be like a confidence booster for louis urias to be like okay they're on their man now i'm the starting shortstop going forward really isn't much more of an option to, I, don't, I don't know if that was the motivation for it I think that that was their plan at some point, um, but they kind of had Orlando Arce around to um, be there in case, you know, he didn't stay healthy or he was a complete disaster at the plate or something. But even with the third base situation, they had him have some playing time there also. And so I think it was a combination of those things that they kind of kept them around, but I was kind of surprised that they cut bait on them so quickly too. So I almost want to think that maybe the Braves reached out to the Brewers, but that's, I guess we'll never, I don't, maybe when that might not ever know really the true story to that because the Braves sent them directly to their alternative training sites. So it's not like they were chomping at the bitch to inquire him either. Um, so it might be one of those trades that are ultimately kind of moot, but I kind of thought Orlando, I could see him being a starting shortstop for another team, you know, at some point, if not later this year, next year. Um, I mean, I really, really did like the guy. I loved how he played the game, and he was always a prospect with a lot of promise, and I thought he'd be able to hit closer to 300 at the major league level and play phenomenal shortstop defense. And, unfortunately, the first part of that wasn't really true, so he didn't become much more than a, you know, second division regular, so to speak. Um, and so – at some point, it's time to move on. And I think the Brewers, when they went and acquired Luis in the trade, you know, giving up Trent Grisham, was someone that they identified that they wanted to really give a shot. And so I think his time is now, and hopefully he can run with that opportunity. Yeah, and he's still definitely young enough that, you know, he, he can still be tabbed, you know, sort of a prospect, I guess, so to speak. Like, um, I mean, technically, RC, at least from a typical baseball perspective, um, has not hit his prime yet. So there could be definitely more in the tank for him. Um, it's, you know, it's a good Bible candidate, I suppose, for the Braves. But, yeah, it works out. Um, actually, I don't want to circle back too far, but I was going to ask you, um, after Hayter and Williams, where would you – like, who is the next bullpen pitcher that you would trust? Because for me right now, it might be Boxberger. Like he has that power arm and he's, he's been pretty good so far this year. I, I hope that he can step up and kind of fill that role because I, I really do think that like, you just, you just need one more good arm and that bullpen's really solid. So if he can step up and be that guy. Well, I think that the, that's kind of a loss in this Frey Peralta succeeding in the uh, starting rotation thing is last year he was a big part of our bullpen. I think people foresaw him being as like, really high quality setup type arm too. And he would have been really solidifying that bullpen. So moving rotation and you forget that you kind of lose him from the bullpen. I think he would have been, you know, someone that makes our bullpen weaker by going in the rotation, but you know, obviously to me, to me he's more valuable in the rotation, obviously. So um, good question, Scott, actually I'll throw out that my next trusted arm would probably be Brent Suter. I mean, we don't have too many lefties out there in the pen and I know he can pitch multiple innings and, uh, I mean, obviously, I'd like the guy on a personal level, but uh, 
he I, I really just do believe he's probably the third best and most trusted arm out there as we speak. Uh but I do have some faith in, in some of the younger guys. Uh, obviously, though, Justin Topa is injured for at least – I know he got put on the 68 DL, so we might not see him very much during the season. But I think that this organization's current philosophy is to, you know, stream guys back and forth that have options to AAA and kind of, just, you know, have fresh arms a lot, so to speak. And I think that's kind of might be the plan with Wiggle and Sabatka is kind of have those guys that throw in the upper 90s, right-hand pitchers, just floating back and forth from AAA. And I think even guys like Phil Bickford might get a chance at some point this season to see what they have in the bullpen. So those middle innings, you know, anywhere in mop, from mop-up duty to the sixth and seventh, those filling in those innings, I think could be a variety of different people on any given day. And it'll be interesting to see. And it wouldn't be surprising if we're in contention or looking to, you know, be the top, team in this division we may have to go out and acquire a veteran arm so to speak at some point to help solidify the bullpen I would think in those in those middle innings also um so we'll see how it goes but I think Boxberger will end up being one of the most underrated signings of the offseason you know obviously the minor league deal but we're already using them so uh I think that was a pretty good signing um so we should also mention that uh you know I I briefly mentioned that Colton Wong went on the uh, 10 day DL or IL, um, unfortunately, with oblique problem, um, I believe. But uh, it's kind of a big loss here. Uh, he was really a, a nice bat to have at the top lineup here to start off the year. But uh, I think the, the Brewers had the depth to recover uh, from him getting back. But obviously, that happened the same time we traded Arcia, which means, you know, uh, we don't have too much um, to cover the middle infield anymore depth-wise, organizational-wise. So I think the Brewers went out and made a really nice, e, again, underrated signing and pickup just as last week, and that's uh, D. Gordon, who goes by D. Strange Gordon now. Um, and, uh, you know, former Mar- longtime Marlin, and, uh, you know, recently he just got cut by the Reds in spring training. But uh, I always really liked the guy. He's kind of a throwback-type player. Um, you know, guy – that can, you know, used to be able to hit over 300, get on base, steal a ton of bases, and create havoc on the bolt on the base pass and stuff. Um, I think that's a, a nice depth signing. I'm going to see him in the get some bat bats at the big league level, maybe at some point this year. What What are your thoughts on that pickup, Scott? Yeah, we're definitely buying him low too. Um, I, I don't know. I I was a little bit surprised. I. I I remember, God, I remember drafting him in fantasy a couple of years ago and thinking like, oh, this guy is a potential gold mine here. And he had some great years. I think he was an all-star one year, but uh, um, I don't know. He still hasn't necessarily put it all together, I guess, and um, really struggled um, recently. And now he has an opportunity to step up to the plate again. So that's great. Unfortunately, he's on the wrong side of 30 and probably on the downturn of a career. And a lot of this happens to a lot of guys, you know, where their key part of their game is speed. But I think he still has, compared to a lot of other guys in Major League Baseball, there's not a lot of speed demons out there, mostly because the guys that can't hit really can't stay on rosters anymore. And uh, Gordon could always hit, um, you know. However, his on base skills are kind of lacking. He doesn't walk very much and isn't a typical leadoff hitter. And today's game at least not like back in the 80s he would have been a really phenomenal leadoff hitter though <laughs> but I mean I yeah. for that that kind of throwback appeal or whatever and uh, he's you know he's really seems like a great teammate and whatnot so I, I really hope that he has some success in the not that you know I wish any harm to any of the Brewers middle infielders but hopefully he can get some playing time and another key element is uh, the Reds are considering having them they're starting shortstop he didn't make the team but he got some experience during spring training at the shortstop position um, and so he's also had some experience in the outfield and obviously he was a long time second baseman. So that covers pretty much, you know, a lot of, if he can make the team as a bench bat, I really like that thought of it. He could cover the middle infield and outfield spot, uh, left-handed hit off the bench and also with speed for pinch running opportunities. So I don't know, I'd really like to have him on the roster at some point. So I really like that signing as an underrated move that could pay off some dividends in the future. Yeah, it's definitely good to have someone like that on your bench that can come off and um, either provide some kind of a spark. And 
not only that, but obviously, as you mentioned, the base running, I don't necessarily think that we're going to have him stealing a lot of bases, but um, he definitely has the wheels to, you know, score from first on, you know, any ball in the corner or something like that. So uh, that's definitely important. He can still give you a good at bat. And yeah, playing a short uh, is definitely, definitely a plus right now anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll the, see what happens. The- the trade of Arcia was not only a, you know, a big confidence, vote of confidence, so to speak, for Urias to be obviously the hands-down starting shortstop, but even from the bench role, I think Daniel Robertson is really solidified as that guy that he can obviously, he's, he's now our backup shortstop for sure. Also backup second baseman. He can play some third. He's played some outfield. He's a really valuable, I think, utility player for us right now um and i think that he's gonna you know find his way to a decent number of at bats over the course of the year and he's a really a player i really like too so i mean i'm really i guess i'll give kudos to front office for even though they didn't necessarily sign any real top level guys to fix the offense so to speak i really think that uh some of these key bench guys and depth pieces in the bullpen like both Boxberger and guys like Robertson are going to be kind of keys to success for this team this year. So, you know, those aren't usually, you know, Brewer fans, unless you're really diehard, don't really don't, you know, put too much faith in guys like that, but they really do have a big role in the success of a team like this, like the Brewers. So. Um, I th- yeah, it is kind of weird. Like right now, anyway, I think any given day, there's somebody in the lineup. I'm like, they're starting. Okay. But you know, it all seems to work out because, you know, I mean, the team does have a lot of depth. Um, they have a lot of people that can play in a lot of different positions. So even if one guy goes down, you know, the next person can fill in. Um, the depth of the team is, is really good. The versatility is really good. And I think that's uh, sort of, I mean, I mean, I guess that is Stern's MO at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a well-built team. and um, I guess the biggest part about it is that this is a team that should they make the playoffs, they kind of check all the boxes as far as a team that could go deep in the playoffs. Now I know you're obviously going to have to, you know, beat the Dodgers to, to get to the world series in all likelihood, but um, this is a team that, I mean, think about it. We have what, what we pretty much just talked about is two aces um, we have at least one, possibly two, absolute shutdown relievers. So that's great. And, and then we still have an MVP in the, the middle of our order. In baseball, I mean, in yeah. my opinion, Josh Hader is still at the top of that game. Two A's yep. said, and former MVP in the middle of the lineup. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but you could remember even just like – I don't know, five years ago or so, and you would just look at the lineup and be like, oh, great. Braun's out with, I don't know, back spasms or something. And so he's going to take the day off, and we're like, well, I don't know that we're going to be able to score two runs today. But, um, you know, this year, I mean, like today's game, for example, I mean, we obviously only scored in one inning, but, uh, you know, we scored six runs and worked out really well and all without – Christian Yelich, so that's, you know, that's a plus. And our pitching, you know, we spend so much time talking about the bullpen and how important they are because our bullpen is pitching, you know, pretty much four innings a game uh, for the most part. I mean, that's sort of what I expect of them now just about every game. I just expect my starter to only go like five innings. And what, the last couple games, um, our starting rotation has been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I think they've – they've given up next to nothing in the last six games. So to be able to do something like that um, after the way our offense started, and now that kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off the offense and you see the bats coming around and now we're scoring, you know, like nine runs on multiple occasions. And it's just great to see every, like everybody, it's all kind of coming together. Yes, Scott definitely has an AmFam field this week against the Cubs too. All right, I'd like to. I think we're, we're going to have our interns here, Scott. Uh, why don't you let, have your interns let Vince? I see him in the waiting room here. Uh, Vince, um, are you back? Yeah, guys. Me? Just been listening to this great Brewers analysis. It's been outstanding, Scott. That was a that was a good ten minutes worth of analysis right there. It's very impressive. Hi, Craig. 
<laughs> I, uh, How are you, Scott? <laughs> and I, oh. Yeah, that was you. And I apologize for being late. I was at uh, I was at dinner with our anonymous source, Tom Carter, uh, now that I've been vaccinated. So we were uh, just talking about Brewer Secrets, me and Tom, Tom uh, Carter. Oh, that's good. Like, even if you invite him to death, you're, still, you're supposed to call him TC or anonymous source. That's it. Well, yeah, he wanted to meet, like, a quiet restaurant or something. He's like, oh, I don't want anybody to know who I am. I'm like, Tom, don't worry. We got you. Uh, we even changed the reservations from Tom Carter uh, to Tom C. so that nobody knew who he was. Well, now, wait a second. See, now I'm confused because that means that we obviously understand that we're supposed to go by Tom C. as, as an anonymous source, but we continue to refer to him as Tom Carter. Now I'm not sure. Well, all right. We're, you know what? We're moving in the right direction. I feel like one of these episodes, we're going to get it right. We really will. Just a curiosity, Vince, at that restaurant you, you were at with TC. Um, you didn't see our colleague Tom H. bellied up to the bar, did you? <laughs> they, you know, they were carting somebody out. I don't know who that was, but uh, he was blathering on about the Brewers being done making moves and signing Jackie Bradley Jr. or something. I couldn't remember. Oh. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I, I guess uh, you missed some of the great analysis by Scott. But I guess one thing I want to point out here, uh, Vince, you actually got to witness a little piece of baseball history in this past week. I'd like to, for you to talk about a little bit for our Brewer fans. Obviously, that's not Brewer related, but you are able to see um, out down there in Texas, in a Texas Rangers game at their fairly newer field, the San Diego Padres throw their first ever no-hitter thrown by Joe Musgrove, and you were in attendance. Is that correct? I, I was. And, boy, it, it couldn't have been just any better timing, and it was totally random. Um, you know, we all missed baseball so much last year. So, um, you know, my girlfriend and I, we both, we both are a few weeks past our second dose. So we thought, all right, we can go, you know, we can go see a baseball game again. So, you know, and we were excited to do it in the first week or two of the season. and. Um, so we drove up to Arlington. We wanted to see the new ballpark, and we went to the game on uh, Thursday against Toronto. And I was really excited too because we were going to see, um, even though the Rangers aren't very good, we were able to see you know two good young teams with Toronto and San Diego. So we we did the Thursday um, or the Wednesday game, I should say, against uh, Toronto, and then we stuck around for Friday night to see them play the Padres. And um, we got actually really good seats because. The first game, we just decided to just kind of walk around and get, get you know, cheap seats and see the ballpark and explore it. But we really just wanted to watch the game on Friday night. And uh, it, it was pretty exciting, and the fans were into it. You could see that something was building, I'd say, by, like, the seventh uh, when Musgrove had, had, you know, thrown, you know, I would say six or seven innings of no-hit baseball. Um, ended up only hitting one guy the entire game to ruin his perfect game. But um, – it was really exciting. First no-hitter I've ever seen in person. Just a really cool experience. And there were a lot of Padres fans there, which was uh, – and it was noticeable. I mean, we even commented on that before the game. And, and by the end, they were loud. I mean, it was a, it was a sizable contingent that had traveled um, from San Diego in some cases. We talked to a couple guys that had come all the way from California. And I'm sure that there's some Padres fans that live in Texas as well. But um, they were very lo local, very, uh, very loud, very supportive. And – actually kind of emotional because uh, everybody knew the history of the Padres, not ever having thrown one. They've been a team uh, since the sixties and that was their first ever no hitter. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a great game to, to go to and uh, quite an experience. And just out of curiosity, when did the, the crowd really start drumming up with each out? Was that in the eighth inning or is it the last couple of outs just at the ninth or uh, probably? Yeah. The eighth, I would say. Um, yeah. I would say it was about the eighth. I, I remember, uh, I ran up to a concession stand really quick before the end of the seventh and people were, were definitely talking about it by then. Um, the eighth people were starting to, to noticeably cheer, um, you know, for each out that the Padres got. And then in the ninth, everybody was on their feet uh, the entire time. Even Rangers fans were very respectful about, you know, the history of what was happening in front of them. And um, I won't say that they were cheering vocally, but they were very respectful, I, I guess is the best way to phrase it. And no, no team ever wants their, or no fans want their own team to get no hit by any means. But I mean, the Rangers are pretty bad this year, so um, especially, yeah. But usually, and, and not um, only that, Craig, but it was it wasn't like it was their big rival, 
or something. You know, like if the Brewers were getting no hit by the Cubs, I don't think you'd find many supportive, um, you know, Brewer fans. But, you know, the Padres and Rangers, it's really not a big rivalry or anything. Well, yeah, it's an interleague game. So that's, that's also the factor. It's an interesting point, Vince. Oh, one, one thing I want to point out about this particular no-hitter, because everyone, I know where this is going. And there's a no-hitter, you know, obviously the pitcher gets all the accolades and whatnot. And I just want to point mm-hmm. out one that um, – the catcher for the Padres, Victor Quarantini, who got uh, acquired this offseason as part of the U Darvish deal, actually, from the Cubs. He came over. He was actually the first catcher in, in history to catch back to two consecutive uh, no-hitters in the, in, the, in the majors. So he caught the one last September, unfortunately, against the Brewers, Alec Mills. Oh, yeah. And he also, he also caught this one. So he's the first catcher to ever catch two consecutive league no-hitters. Um, and, and I just wanted to, I think it really kind of highlights the fact how important a actual a catcher is in a pitcher, especially in a, such high pressure, you know, thing like a no hitter. The catchers are like an invaluable piece that are kind of never get the credit. And I, I know that my favorite, two favorite words in the English language are pitchers and catchers. And it's not just because of the middle of February where they get to report for the first time, but I mean, these are really my favorite two positions in all of sports, to be quite honest with you, because they are so valuable in the flow of a baseball game and the success of that. And I think that Carantini has obviously got something going on here for him but by being able to catch two different no-hitters and call those games for the pitchers. And so I just thought baseball fans and our Brewer fans I know are very knowledgeable. But I think it really, I think, highlights that, you know, the great, you know, credit that catchers don't get for the, their no-hitters. I think they should be... That, that's, a, that's a really great point, Craig. I wonder if our interns could, could put together a list of um, catchers who have caught the most no-hitters in baseball history. That'd be a really, really interesting statistic. I'd love to see that. Um, yeah, Scott yeah, mentioned I, earlier I, I, in the I, podcast he gave away most of his interns of Tim Dillard, though. So, well, once oh, we more, wow. Scott's out to recruit more on the on the Vegas Strip or whatnot, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll get some more and we'll get them on that. That's an interesting thing, Ben, for sure. Maybe, maybe Chad's having better luck, but um, no, I do think that it matters a lot. The other interesting aspect of this particular no-hitter was that Musgrove um, not only was a San Diego native, so there's something kind of cool about that for him, but um, also that he uh, was new to the Padres this season. So, you know, to your point about Carantini, uh, you had two guys working with each other that didn't work with each other last season at all. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's kind of interesting that they were able to establish that kind of rapport and, and trust with each other uh, this quickly, you know, to see it in literally the first week of the season is pretty cool. So, um, you know, that was another aspect that I got to thinking about after the game. It was, you know, at, at the time that the move was made to get Musgrove, I know a lot of fans were focused on, you know, the other Padres uh, starting pitchers that were acquired this offseason, and for good reason, big names, you know, you Darvish and, um, you know, guys of that caliber. So it, th- this move, I think, was a little bit under the radar uh, for AJ Preller, and um, you know, so far it's working out. Obviously, it's still early to tell in the season how how it's going to do long term, but uh, certainly an exciting and fun game uh, to be a part of. And um, I know Scott I was very right knowledgeable. Fifty percent of the games I've gone to this year have been in, resulted in no hitter this year. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I was with the Joe Musgrove. He actually drafted him in fantasy before the season. So, uh, yeah, I know he had big, big hopes for Joe Musgrove, and I'm sure he's exceeding those expectations already. I, I actually, I kind of went, I wouldn't say I went all in on the Padres, but I, I also even drafted Mike Clevenger, even though he's not even going to pitch this year, which I in hindsight, maybe that wasn't the best move, but it is a dynasty league, so you never know. But um, our interns, by the way, um, we don't have any, so I just looked it up. Um, <laughs> anybody want to guess the most no-hitters caught just by any catcher? Just guess the number. I'll, 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 say, I'll, say, I'll say – go ahead, Craig. Go ahead. I'll just say three. I don't know. I'll say two. Those are great guesses, both wrong. But uh, the record for the most no-hitters is four. Um from Jason Veritek and Carlos Ruiz. So both pretty, uh, you know, modern-day players. Oh, wow. And Veritek threw a no-hitter for uh, Hideo Nomo. We might know him. Uh, Derek Lowe, Clay Buckles, and John Lester. All of those. Whereas um, – Didn't Pedro uh, throw one in Boston, too? I don't know. Well, he wasn't oh, catching man. if he did. Um, <laughs> okay. But um, – <laughs> 
Ruiz had a little easier path. He caught two for Halliday. He caught one for Cole Hamels, and then he caught a combined one where Cole Hamels started. So, I mean, I'm not saying that he, you know, did like you know, it was a great job, but you know, those are some pretty dynamite pitchers. So, I yeah, no, that's a great stat, Scotty. Good work. Um, yeah, I also have to quickly throw out there as a as a personal aside that um, I feel a little vindicated because I bought tickets now to. Well, previous to Friday, I bought tickets to two different no-hitters, and I had not attended either one that I had bought tickets for. Um, the first, I was stuck in Lebanon in 2008, and I happened to buy tickets for my brother and I uh, to to uh, see a game at Fenway. I was going to fly into Boston originally, and that's the game that Lester threw, <laughs> a no-hitter. And I bought him tickets for his honeymoon at the Giants ballpark in San Francisco, and Matt Cain threw a perfect game at the game that he attended. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. And for the record, I don't think anyone ever actually gets stuck in Lebanon. I mean, it's not like insurgents were, you know, throwing grenades at you or something. Or <laughs> Oh, wait, that, that did basically happen? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but we made the best of it because as soon as the airport cleared and Craig picked me up at the airport in Chicago finally after, you know, several months of being stranded <laughs> in Lebanon, at least we had an epic road trip, uh, you know, for the Brooker Review. So... Speaking of Brooker, did you kiss the ground when you got back on American soil, like hostages do? <laughs> Craig was there to greet me. <laughs> <laughs> Brooker review van. <laughs> yep, just slid, oh, slid that door open, threw Vince in that van, and home free. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it's spring break, you know. I, know I still... assume it looked very similar to how they picked up the the pledges and. Uh, for the was, frat in old school. Yeah, it's kind of like old school. It was uh, it was Craig's way of inviting me to go on uh, spring break for him, age forty six. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, there's no spring break in May, Vince. But yeah, there were ladies on the beach, absolutely. Um, but no, speaking of Brookerby <laughs> road trips and uh, beaches and whatnot, um, since you're so good at picking out uh, buying tickets again for no hitters, I actually am gonna. Go ahead and give you the green light to buy any of the tickets for the, our next Brooker Review Road Trip. Or, in fact, you can purchase them for <laughs> all the future Brooker Review Road Trips. If you can go ahead and do that, since you've got that going, that would be, be phenomenal. I would like to see Sounds good, guys. I, I will do that. Uh, that. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, here's a random – I know that all of our listeners are hardcore Brewer fans, or I assume a lot of them are, or at least hardcore Scott Bartell fans. But um, – the uh, the interesting thing about casual watching Brewer fans, which I guess my dad would be in that bracket, um, I got a call from him this Sunday, and he's uh, his this was his literal question verbatim to me. He's like, "Hey, Craig, um, uh, do you know what happened to Ryan Braun?" <laughs> he was <laughs> he had no idea what was going on with Ryan Braun. Um, he didn't know that. You know, he wasn't still on the Brewers. He had just been watching some games this year, realized he was no longer on the lineup. So he is like, did he retire? Did he get traded? Did he sign with our team? And I guess the funny thing was, I really didn't have a really good answer to his question other than he wasn't currently on the Brewers. So um, I said, I guess he's probably leaning toward retirement. But, uh, yeah, it is interesting. But, but I think it's interesting for people to point out that's kind of a changing in the guard, so to speak, and – having our franchise icon, Ryan Braun, all of a sudden not in the lineup and not even on the team is a little bit shocking to casual Brewer fans at this point in in time, I guess. Doesn't he listen to our podcast? Absolutely not. He's never even used the internet. Wait, Craig's dad or Braun? Neither of them have any interest. <laughs> Both, Neither I'm sure. I, I don't know. Have any interest. Whatsoever. Right now, Ryan Braun – Right now, Ryan Braun is like a semi-retired free agent in the same way that like born-again virgins say that they're born again, but it's just that they're, they're just not getting laid. Like no one wants them. That's what it kind of comes down to. Like I'm not saying nobody wants Braun. Nobody wants him at his asking price, whatever that may be. So, or maybe he doesn't want to play for like, I don't know, maybe Miami gave him a contract or offered him something and he's like, no, no, mate. no I'm not doing that. So, you never know. He's got his reasons, but he's a free agent for now. Yeah, maybe if the DH gets added back to midseason for some reason or something, 
that the, the Brewers could, uh, you know, get him back on the roster. But anyway, just thought that was interesting. Kind of made me laugh that he was just like, hey, what, where's, where's Ryan Braun? I don't see him. But um, anyway, yeah. So Hey, I, it, it is. who the hell is this guy in Vaughn's Valley? <laughs> Hang on. He's still I'm adjusting the left field here. Mark Turn to look out green. at Jenks Junction. <laughs> Where the hell is Jeff Jenkins? <laughs> well, Scott, I think the point is, like, Ryan Braun really is, you know, retiring or leaving baseball, or at least leaving the Brewer, as basically the career leader in almost every offensive statistic. He didn't play his entire career so far with the as a Brewer, and uh, you know he's put up basically a lot of better numbers than even a couple of our Hall of Famers and Robbie out and Paul Milder. So I mean, I, I just don't think he got the proper send off. Obviously, twenty twenty and whatnot, you know, from the home crowd and and fans, you know, watching on TV and whatnot. But I mean, I guess you know at least we made the playoffs all his last three years as a Brewer. We come back and we'll add a fourth with him on the roster. Who no one knows, but. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm really excited about this team going forward this year and uh, especially at the top end of our pitching staff. And, uh, yeah, this should be a very exciting year, and hopefully you guys are, are on board for the whole ride, like all of our listeners. Uh, so, well, yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, I'm not going to leave now, Craig. And uh, I, I'm sure you, you guys talked about it, but, I mean, what a performance by Freddie Peralta tonight. Really our whole starting rotation the last week. I don't want to rehash stuff that you guys already did, but – it's an incredible stretch by the Brewers starters uh, from top to bottom, really. I mean, uh, but but really, really excited for what I'll call our big three going forward between uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. Um, well, I don't know. Brett Anderson, he might be maybe big go, four. Go, because... goes, goes without being said. That goes without <laughs> being said. <laughs> every, every staff needs an ace. We already knew he was there. Just to see these young guys develop is great to join them. Oh, by the way, um, <clears throat> today's um, episode is brought to you by 88 Keys because West Dallas is ready for a classy piano bar. 88 Keys. Thank you. There you go. Thank you, Scott. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. All right. Well, uh, really, really excited about the rest of this homestand. We've got a couple more games against the Cubs and the Pirates this weekend. And like, like you point out, Scott, it's a pretty rough schedule overall for the first month of the season. But I, I'm confident we're going to be able to at least finish the month at or above 500. And then the rest of that, you know, I think we'll start to click. And I, I really think some of these guys are going to start to hit. Their bats are going to heat up, especially guys like Cash and Hira who started the season 0 for 20, but he's already gotten three hits since then. So um, I think I think the arrow's pointing out for this Milwaukee Brewers squad. By the way, yeah, guys, week, I, I think I listed all the teams that we were playing, but I, I probably left off the Padres, who we play next week on the road. And that will be, if there's any series where we're going to miss Ryan Braun, that's probably going to be it, because uh, he's had some pretty phenomenal games at Petco Park. That's true. Maybe maybe he'll come out of retirement for just a couple of days and down the road from his house in Malibu. But um, I think we saw his what was it? His three homer game. Um, yep. I think we saw that at Magoo's, um, which hopefully yeah. will be a sponsor yeah. of ours in the future. <laughs> well, we'll ask him again. I hate to tell Scott that's no longer Magoo's either, but uh, what? What can you do? Hmm. Well, God, don't you know how many still businesses... have stores and dreams and 88 keys, I guess. West Dallas would be God, don't you know how many businesses went under because you're no longer there to support them? I mean, your consumer tactics are just incredible. You are a really solid uh, consumer, Scott. I should have really let people know before I left the great state of Wisconsin. There were a lot of there are a lot of businesses that suffered. Tommaso's Pizza, Culver's, all of them. Um, so yeah, there's and Mongoose is definitely up there. Cops, man. Yep, I know. You'll be back no, soon, Scotty. You'll be back. You'll be back soon. Hey guys, those are you, and then the pandemic. Too, I... That's like a double whammy for these businesses. Wow. Yeah. Hey guys, on a personal note too, um, we'll be taking a brook review scouting trip uh, this Friday. I will be attending the Miami Marlins uh, game in Miami against the San Francisco Giants. So I will be sure to report back on that as well. 
Cool. Um, honestly, there's probably like about a 20% chance that that's a no-hitter. <laughs> Pretty decent. <laughs> Just let the no-hitter tour continue. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I think that wraps up for this podcast, guys. Um, we'll be coming back to you once again uh, within the week uh, here with some more brewer action. So, um, again, yeah. Scotty, did you give the website and the uh, Twitter feed? Um, no. Twitter at BrewCreview1. You can find us there. And um, believe it or not, I, I haven't even shared this with you guys yet, but like our last episode um, has already gotten more listens than any other episode in our storied history. So for, you know, when we, when we give this passion plea about, um, you know, Hey guys, like, please let people know, like we really, I mean, we're, we're already like what, 120 some 130 episodes into this. And I mean, I really appreciate all of our listeners, but if you let somebody else know and they let somebody else know, like this could really turn into something really special and you know, it is, but you know, we'd, we'd like to spread it around so that we have far more listeners that are hopefully enjoying it. And uh, we greatly appreciate you for doing that. Furthermore, if you haven't dropped that five star review yet, wow. I'll just click five stars. You don't even have to put any words or anything like that, but you know, if you want to, that's fine too. Still mention our intern or Tom Hardicourt. Or Tom Carter. <laughs> well, at least not his entire name. Yeah. And if any of you guys have instructions on how to let someone in a meeting from a waiting room, if you guys could send that also to our, our email, I'd appreciate that so that Chad can get on it on one of these podcasts. Sounds good, guys. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Daddy. Thanks, Craig. All right, thanks, guys. Stay classy, West Dallas. Go Brewers. Yep. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Review is back with you.